I want to thank Bishop Riggin for this kind opportunity to be able to step to this sacred desk in his absence. I also want to thank the faithful saints of God for being here this morning. And more importantly, I thank God for his presence being in this house. Oh, I love what I feel. Hallelujah. My, my, my. In Acts chapter 20, I have a very short text. And I'll be honest with you, I feel to get right to the point. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. It says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. You may be seated calling upon the saints of God to be faithful, amen, and help the preacher preach this morning. I need the help of God. If I may lay a brief foundation, the writing of the Apostle Paul, it's noted in Scripture as one of the most passionate personal writings of which we plucked this one verse of Scripture. He was gave to the church. He documents his farewell to the elders at the church of Ephesus. The Apostle Paul had spent a great deal of time among them, teaching and growing them as saints, and the time has come for him to depart. He was wanting to get to a specific destination on a specific day. And so what we have documented in Acts chapter 20 is the message that he began to convey to them and the words, the admonition, the encouragement that he gave to them in his parting moments. And it's a beautiful passage. We won't read it all. But by the end of it, you'll find that he prayed for each and every one of them. And they all fell on his neck and wept, knowing that the words that he spoke were going to be true. That he was no longer going to see them again. And we find that his comments were given under the knowledge that this was the last time for them to hear his voice. He would reach out to them in whatever fashion of letter or sending word through a word, uh, through a uh, spokesman, possibly reaching out to the congregation. And there's letters that we know of that are written to the church at Ephesus and beautiful moments and things happen through this church. But in this moment, in Acts chapter 20, we read a beautiful interaction between an elder, a bishop, one who had dug this church out and gave them admonition. And he says in verse 25, And now behold, I know that ye among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. And he warns them. He tells them further down in Scripture that there are going to be attempts from the outside of the church, but also from the inside to come and to pull these people away from the church. They were not only a warning, but a hearkening to lean on God as the source of strength through what they would think would be their deepest and darkest trial. In verse 32, and it says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God. I'm giving you to God. He's saying to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The words that the Apostle Peter is famous for saying in Acts chapter 3, 
when the lame man was healed at the gate of the temple, confirmed the level of dedication that was present among the apostles. We know this familiar passage of scripture in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter and John were walking into the temple, were confronted by that beggar asking for alms. And Peter dispelled the myth of wealth by referencing his very own appearance. In verse 3 it says of chapter 3, who seeing Peter, John and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. It was at this point that Peter gave everything that he possessed to the lame man. Can you not see that I have no earthly wealth? The words fastened his eyes upon him is the same special phrase of words that Luke uses when most of the congregation is intimately connected to a moment that's referenced in Scripture. This phrase that's used here, look on us, is used 12 to 14 times in Scripture, and it's showing that there is an intent looking on, an engagement, not an observation for the sake of entertainment, but the engagement so that something can transpire. And I would admonish you this morning that if you have a need in the house, if you will just but pay attention to the word of God and you will just tune in to what God is wanting to do this morning. God is here, not Brother Goff, not Brother Hilton, not any other minister in this church, but God himself is here in this house and has shown himself in a mighty way that he wants to take care of your need in this house this morning. We find examples of this intent looking. We find in Luke chapter 4 and verse 20, Jesus was teaching and it says in verse 20, and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. They were looking with intention, hearing the words that Jesus had just spoke, the words that he had just read from the uh, the Bible that was present for them in their day, the Old Testament scriptures, reading those words and teaching, and he read those words, and they were fastened upon Jesus. We find this very same thing was happening in Acts as an example of this looking attentively upon in Acts chapter 6 and verse 15. It says, G is Stephen, speaking under the anointing, spoke, and their eyes were fastened upon him. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him and saw his face as it has been the face of an angel. This also references the times where men of old had come into the presence of God and their face was shining brightly and was covered with a cloth. And the people looked steadfastly upon 
uh, the man of God as he had been in the presence of the Almighty. It was intense being in the presence of God. There was intention as people looked upon Jesus. There was intention as they looked upon Stephen. They said that he preached and taught in their presence and they could not resist the anointing that was upon the message that was preached. And this morning I want to preach to you this message, it's something that God had laid upon my heart. I want to give this message of, I give you Jesus. In this house this morning, there are needs present. You don't have to be super spiritual, but they are being felt in the spirit today, the needs that are present in this house this morning. God wants to reach down into every need in this house and make a difference. So we see as Peter is standing among them. And so Peter is standing there looking upon the lame man. And he offers the only possession that he has. The only value that he had in life was the name of Jesus. We read it again in Acts 3 and 6. And then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk there was no earthly possession that was given brother hilton and exchanged into his hand and handed to him that gave him healing there was not a bag or satchel brother jacks that where the peter and john reached in the back and said oh you have a need for healing take this and hold this and rub this and you will get a healing if you pray to this ornament or this God it was not what was given was the name of Jesus that is what made the difference in this situation in first Peter I'll read a passage a short reading in first Peter chapter 1 there's a writing that Peter gives it's a deeper view into why the wealth of this world was held in disdain in the call to be holy, Peter lays it out clearly that the ungodly things of the past will not provide for your present or the future. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, in reading M, the ESV version, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but as ye as he who called you is holy ye you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for I am holy or as we remember be holy for I am holy and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of Christ like that of, the, of a lamb without blemish or spot Peter is calling out, letting them know, you 
cannot reach back and grab anything that was handed down to you of the earthly wealth that was given to you, whether it be from your fathers or from your kindred. Nothing is going to take your sins away. Nothing is going to give you that reprieve of which you seek except through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You will see, as I referenced in Acts chapter 3, it talked about where he said, silver and gold have I none. You see where Peter is talking about in 1 Peter chapter 1, admonishing them, telling them, don't cleave to the things which are of the past of the earthly possessions you may have. That doesn't always mean that it was money. It could also mean that it was things, ornaments of gold or silver of gods that were passed down from generation to generation. He's telling them, listen, there is nothing you can hold in your hand that can change your life. Nothing. But it must be done with intention. You have to go through the blood of Jesus Christ in order for there to be a change in your life. I've had the opportunity to visit the space coast of Florida several times over the last 10 years or so for work meetings. And many times we have an opportunity to do something as a part of the region. And I've been able to go to the Kennedy Space Center and they try to make it as real as possible to give you the opportunity young and old to dream about becoming an astronaut and if even then it's not your aspiration they give you the opportunity to learn about that experience they appeal to those that they say may be the next generation that may walk or explore distant planets and beyond they appeal to their senses of their desire to explore the great frontier they give you the opportunity to climb into rocket displays you can observe the suits that were worn and they explain the missions and they tell you how abrasive the moon dust was as it destroyed the seals and gaskets and things that kept those astronauts safe and you can look at them and you can see some of the items they brought back for research, and it's encapsulated so that it will not be contaminated. And you can fly simulators to perform the tasks that they may do at the International Space Station. And, and in the words of the astronauts, you may even climb into a simulator that they say this is as close as you can get to the real thing. And they place you in a simulator and in a vertical position as if it is the shuttle launching at that very moment, the Atlantis, and you're sitting in it and going through the countdown. And you experience everything so you get to realize what they went through. From experience the vertical thrust and the upside down momentum and the zero G feeling as you pull into your chest harness. And they're giving you the moment a feeling like an astronaut. And during this recent trip that Sister Golf and I had, we had an opportunity to see them launch several astronauts into space this last week. And we got up at 3.30 in the morning and 
stumbled out on the beach trying not to look at any bright bright lights and get out there and we're standing there looking at a dark sky. All of this in an experience just to see something amazing transpire. And we're looking on our phone and watching the countdown and we're standing there, waves uh, crashing on the beach and all of a sudden the sky lights up vividly orange. And we're miles and miles and miles away. We're probably 35 miles from the launch pad and we stand there and the sky goes blaze orange and all of a sudden you see this rocket lift up and start going through the sky and you see the boosters drop off and they come down and they're going to land on a drone barge and bring them back to Cape Canaveral and as we're standing there looking we see a beautiful moment to where I don't know what it's called but where they have this orange cone goes over the front of the shuttle, the rocket, as it's going through space in this magnificent orange, violet, uh, violet colored cone on the front of that as it's going across the atmosphere. And you stand there in awe. And I experienced all of that this week. And we've seen another one launch during the daytime on Friday as we're heading to the airport. You even have the opportunity to go put on an astronaut suit, and you can go buy your own apparel. But in none of those experiences, and all the times, three times in a row, back to back to back, looking at the same things, experiencing the same things, did I ever become an astronaut? It was just education. While that example was lengthy, I wanted to drive home the point. Anyone can walk through the doors of this church and hear the message of truth. Preach service after service. You can sing the songs. You can worship along with everyone in the house. You can get as close to the real thing as you can. You can even put on the uniform if you could say. You can look the part. But despite all of those experiences, it is not your salvation. It may not be your, um, if I can say it this way, the experiences are not the destination. You can make it all a part of your journey, but the destination is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And that's one more step towards being changed by God. So don't get so acclimated as I have by going seeing an earthly exhibit and the wonder of it all and stand there and look at everything and wonder and take picture after picture and stand there and observe and think in my mind and try to put myself in their position, I invite you, experience Jesus this morning. Don't let it be just a waypoint where, oh, I just went for one day, one time in my life, one year I went there, one service. Let it be something that forever changes your life. Let it be something that reaches down and forever removes anything unpure and unclean in your life. You can put on the apparel. You can sit in the presence of the Almighty God. But I encourage you, surrender to Jesus this morning. Because I give unto you Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who knows the end from the beginning. Everything that we can hold to, everything of value this morning that we can cleave to, it starts with Jesus, the old rugged cross, the blood, the sacrifice, the resurrection. It all begins with Jesus Christ. 
text that we read earlier is commonly quoted scripture. And it's nearly, nearly in the category of judge not lest ye be judged. And dear, normally I would, during a study of scripture, I would reference back to a scripture because we see Paul said the words of Jesus as he said them in Acts chapter 20. And I would go back and I would point that verse of scripture out to you. However, this is said to be one of the lone scriptures or statements that is credited to be said by Jesus, and yet it is not directly quoted in scripture. You don't have the words where Jesus said exactly what was said in Acts chapter 20. While there are scriptures that have the principle noted, the direct quote from Jesus that I can find is not present. If you find it, I'm willing to make a change and correct my notes. But the 12 apostles, for example, of what was said in Acts chapter 20 about it being better to give than to receive. The principle was taught. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, it says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus preaches and teaches this very principle in Luke chapter 14 where he uses the example of having a great feast or banquet and to not only call your family and your friends but also all of those that are an extension of your surrounding. He specifically, specifically calls out the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And he says, your blessing will be given by God. So we see this principle is given again by Jesus. Reading again from our text, we can see where the words of Jesus may not have been quoted exactly, yet they were lived as he intended. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, he says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What a beautiful passage of scripture. Think about it. Paul, in his closing moments in Acts chapter 20, before he leaves a body of believers, he quotes a scripture of the Lord Jesus for them to hang on to. I should say he quotes the words of the Lord Jesus for them to hang on to and gave us this opportunity in Acts chapter 20 to have words that are not written exactly as they were stated in Acts 20. He referenced them and they were most likely experienced by others and handed down to others and expressed through the verbal sense of one to another. But if you still have doubts, I don't want to leave anyone with doubts where we have a contradiction where it says the words of the Lord Jesus. I think the card that we could play would be this. In John chapter 21 and verse 25. And there, were, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which 
They should be written every one. I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. Amen. So it may not be referenced word for word. It is taught as a principle. And it was lived according to the lives of the apostles and then retaught and communicated to the churches saying, Jesus said these words. And he would leave this word with them in his parting moments before he walks away from that church at Ephesus. One writer brought these thoughts together to highlight the areas of focus that Jesus may have been referencing. It is important that it's more blessed to give than to receive because it delivers us from ourselves. It allows us to hand off the burden for the larsen of selfishness. It allows us to relieve ourselves of the burden of dependence. It's because it allows us to be united to the brethren, by the church family, by those around us. It's by their friendly attachment, Brother Hilton, to where when you give, there's something that transpires between one another. It's not just, oh, thank you. But it's not also not seen as also an indebtedness in some sense. There's a connection. You really care for me. You really love me. And then in, in the turn, you are united with them by their gratitude. It brings us nearer to God. It makes us imitators of Him, the one that is good. We share in the delight of the one who loves the entire world when we give rather than receive. This world is full of selfishness. It's full of what can you do for me. It's full of how can I benefit or be made better because of what I give unto you. It's a rare thing for something to happen in this world, for someone to give and expect nothing in return. People who want to stay anonymous have immense amounts of wealth. They will go and name their foundation the Bill Gates Foundation. So everybody knows who's wealthy, who's giving, and who they should thank. It's all about me. I've seen people have a particular notable identity within church ranks. And in order for their message to be proclaimed, I've seen them name their church after themselves so that they can be searched online or looked within the city and say, oh, that's, that's that preacher's church. Instead of letting the acts of that local congregation, that body that God has put together, be able to say it's better to give than to receive and make a difference in the world around them. But instead, it is the nature of mankind to draw attention to 
and say that if we're going to do something, I want to have the recognition. I want my name in lights. I want my name written down on the pages of history. I want to leave a legacy that people talk about from generation to generation. I believe there's a song that's written about this. It talks about, I don't have to have my name in lights. I don't have to have my name talked about again and again. But if I could only have people talk about Jesus, I've achieved everything in life that I've ever wanted. If I could only be able to walk out the doors of this church and to go into every venue that I am permitted to experience life and do business and work and interact with people, if I can only give Jesus, I am successful in the kingdom of God. Because silver and gold we don't have. All we have is done at the name of Jesus. But just because you present Jesus does not mean it will always be received. We go back to the example where Jesus had been presented to the masses and was rejected in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 20. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. It's amazing that they were given the opportunity to see the Savior of the world, the one who was going to soon sacrifice himself for all of mankind, for every person's sins from the beginning to the end when this sacrifice was going to be made available he was going to walk to an altar and be laid down and sacrificed and they looked at him and said we want Barabbas it says they spoke so vehemently of crucify him crucify him John chapter 1 and verse 10 he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Only God knows what you are in pursuit of in this house today. He is the only one who sees the need present in your heart. It's percolating. It's bubbling up. You feel the conviction. You feel, I've got to do something different. Only God knows. Only God knows what you have allowed yourself to be content with. And if I could be so bold, it's just an experience. It's not becoming the astronaut. Because I can walk through every exhibit of life, and I can say, oh, I've been so far, and I've seen so much, and I've slept on so many church pews, and I've seen so many preachers get up and pour their heart out and begin to give the word that God has given, and I've seen it all, you could say, but has it truly changed you? In John 
chapter 14 and verse 27. If you come looking for peace, there's a God that's willing to give you peace. Peace I leave with you in verse 27. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you've come to this house seeking for happiness or joy, Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He's telling us nothing that you could ever lay your hands on will ever give you the joy and peace in life that you need in this very moment. Now, we can get satisfaction to a certain degree from the things of this world. You can sit down and reflect upon your day. And many times it's going to come back and it's going to say, I had a wonderful meal, beautiful plate of food, and it couldn't have been any better prepared. It was cooked to perfection, so much so that I gave my compliments to the chef, meaning that this could not have been prepared any better than what you laid in front of me. You could not have had a better conversation with a better group of people. You could say, my day was satisfied. I go to bed happy, knowing of what my life contained. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost, it is just for a moment. It's just momentary. Those conversations... You may go back and say, weeks, months, years later, that person did me wrong. But remember the conversation you had that was so deep and rich and thought-provoking and oh, how great of a conversation it was at that moment. But years, days, months, minutes later, that same person turned and stabbed you in the back. And what you thought fulfilled you no longer fulfills you. The meal that you thought was so wonderful and you rave about it and you even sat there and wrote a review is the same meal that can give you heartburn or food poisoning hours later. And you sit there and rave about it until it turns on you. Life has a way of totally upsetting what you think is important and sometimes we get so accustomed to it that we'll even prepare ourselves. We'll say, well, I'll allow myself to be attached in this way because Bishop doesn't preach against it, and so there must be nothing wrong with it. But what about when God tries to prompt you in your own devotion, when your own walk with God tries to give you that conviction through the Word of God? And you say, oh, it didn't come across the pulpit, so there must be nothing wrong with it. And you'll say the words, between Jesus and I, I'm good. And I've got this all figured out. Nothing can sway me from my position or my plan. I'm here to ask you today, do you have Jesus? Have you got a custom, saint of God, to a walk that has become just more of observing the exhibits and reflecting on things in the past? And I stood there in front of the mighty Atlantis shuttle and watched an astronaut 
feeble in age, walk up and stand in front of it so people could take his picture. And all he had, yeah, I'm an astronaut, but he could just turn around and look at this magnificent creation that man has created, suspended in air at a perfect 43.21 angle and say, I used to fly in one of those. And you say, well, you can't do that anymore. You don't have the physical fitness. It's very demanding. Saint of God, I'm here to ask you, can you still walk into the water with Jesus? Or is it just an exhibit that we stand and look at and say, I used to fly that. I remember when this used to happen in my life. God used to use me in the Holy Ghost. God used to use me to reach down in a service and break the chains that bind. God used to use me. I used to have an anointing on my life. I feel this saint of God. He's trying to talk to you this morning and to stir up the gift that lies within you. Stop being satisfied with the exhibit because I give you Jesus. Stop looking at the silver and gold of this world. I give you Jesus. There's power and anointing that can still live in your life. You can still walk in newness of life. You can still have it vibrant and living within you if you'll just take Jesus. Don't settle for the exhibit. Because I walked in room after room and looked after picture after picture and article and stood in awe, walked out with my little souvenir bag and it got me nothing closer to being an astronaut. And you may walk from this, this church today having your Bible tucked underneath your arm, but unless that word has changed you, you are just looking at exhibits today. I invite you, why don't you sign up and commit? Why don't you give your life as he would request you this morning? Why don't he say, listen, there's happiness and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's peace. It's through the righteousness that only God can give. It's not through the silver and gold and the things of this world. But he said, you're saying, listen, if you'll just come. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. That God is faithful. He is faithful. I don't think you understand what that means. He is faithful to take care of you, to establish you, to be according to his word. If you'll just come and seek, you will find. If you need forgiveness this morning, the apostle Paul in his conversation, he's preaching unto King Agrippa. He is an audience with the king. And King Agrippa says, oh, oh, Paul, you almost had me but here's the words that he speaks of his own testimony when he was struck down on the road to damascus talking about what jesus is all about jesus spoke these words under the apostle paul and he's speaking them back to agrippa saying to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of satan unto god that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Your inheritance of this world, of this life, is Jesus Christ. None other. 
There is no power. There is no monetary gain. There is no position, no title. Nothing this world can give you except faith in Jesus Christ. And you look at your life and say, I deserve none of this. You're right. None of us do. But what we do with the bad things in life is allow it to propel us to the answer to life. I give you Jesus. He is the one who can take everything in his nail-scarred hands and reach down and change your life. Salvation, I would be remiss. I know you've heard it many, many times. But I'm going to give you Jesus through Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They asked the question that was so important after they heard in the prior verses of Scripture, they got up and preached Jesus. And then Peter says, this is how you get him. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you have not done all three of these steps, sir, ma'am, you are not saved. It pains my heart. I take no pride or glory in it. I only say those words to beckon you to come to an altar and pray and call upon the almighty name of Jesus. I take no glory in telling somebody you don't have what it takes to make it to heaven. I'm here to tell you the way is only paved through the scripture. It's given to us clearly. I can't give you silver and gold, but such as I have, give I unto thee. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 tells us Jesus. Can we stand this morning? Last verse of scripture, I've read it several times, and I'll read it again. Then Peter said, silver and gold, have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Your ability to walk today in newness of life is upon you surrendering to God. It really is as simple as I have stated. I give you Jesus. He's the one that can take care of every problem in life. And the point that change happens is when the price you are willing to pay to observe is superseded by the price you are willing to pay to become. You have to be willing to lay it all aside and say it's not just an exhibit for me. It will and is my life. I must have Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands? Saints of God, I'm calling upon you to help in this service. There are people that do not have the Holy Ghost in this house right now. It's upon us to respond to the Word of God. And I invite each and every one of you to come and let's find us a place to pray. No matter where you think you're at, ask God to search your heart. 
Humble yourself before Him. If someone's down here that needs prayer, pray with them. Be the body of Christ this morning. Allow a Savior to reach down with His arms of mercy and love. Change a life in this moment as commitment flows from their heart. Let Jesus be the answer in somebody's heart today. Oh, hallelujah. We're in no rush this morning. We are way early on time, but God is right here, right on time to change somebody's heart. Create the atmosphere, saints of God. The word has been preached. Let somebody's life be changed forever this morning. I invite you, sir and ma'am, come submit yourself. Silver and gold have I none. I can only give you Jesus this morning. I can only tell you about the one who's washed my sins away. I can only tell you about the one who looked past all of my faults. Oh, I can only tell you about the one who's washed my sins. Oh, I thank you, Savior. I thank you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Master. You have to be willing to pay the price to become just like Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's got his hand on you. He's just wanting you to surrender everything to him. Oh, Master, I thank you. I feel your presence, God. I thank you, Savior. I thank you, Savior.